Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. In today's episode, I will be discussing emergency funds. Every investor needs to have an emergency fund. This is especially true for DIY investors. DIY investors approach investing differently from the mainstream and so they need to plan accordingly. Your emergency fund is your tool to ensure that you have adequate liquidity for everything life throws at you. A brief aside, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast and help me to continue creating great investing content, please consider becoming a patron at DIYinvesting.org patron. I aim to keep this podcast free of outside advertisements. The only way I can do that is with your support. If I'm providing value to you in the content of this show, I would really appreciate if you would become a patron. As a reward to you for doing so, I have exclusive member-only benefits where you can gain exclusive access to my investment process and my personal investing research. This is, includes my research on individual stock ideas, the businesses that those are involved, analyzing them, creating intrinsic values, and even the stocks that I'm buying on a regular basis. If you want to gain insight to those and support me continuing to produce this podcast, please consider becoming a patron at DIYinvesting.org patron. Thank you. Now, on to the show. So, emergency funds. The name of this episode is Emergency Fund Sizing for the Enterprising Investor. So I'm going to cover a few different things in this show. First, I'll cover the sizing that I recommend that your emergency fund should be. Second, I'll discuss my reasons why. And third, I'll let you know where I think you should store your emergency fund for optimal success. So I'm not going to keep you on holding on a long time in this episode to understand what my recommendation is. So I'll begin just straight out with it. I recommend that an enterprising investor, each DIY investor should have an emergency fund sized equal to one year of their expenses. So you should know from your regular budgeting and your net worth analysis on a monthly basis how much money you spend each and every month. And so what I recommend is that you have 12 times that number saved up in an emergency fund. This is one year savings equal to the expenses that you spend across a year. There are many mainstream alternatives to this. Sometimes you hear recommendations for three-month emergency funds. Sometimes you hear six months. Sometimes you hear fixed numbers like 1,000 or 10,000. But my recommendation is a one-year emergency fund. This tends to be the largest, and um, this is a larger emergency fund recommendation you hear in the mainstream, 
But if you've listened to this podcast for long, and as you continue to listen, you'll see that I'm not exactly mainstream in my recommendations. And that is because I think a lot of times the simplification that mainstream financial media does tends to be a disservice to those who are managing their money and who want to have optimal performance, not simply minimum acceptable performance. So in order to get the optimal benefit from your emergency fund, it needs to be capable of handling many different types of emergencies. This can involve uh, a job loss, which is the most standard, but it can also include things like medical expenses, car breakdowns, um, damage to your house, um, anything where you're going to have to make a large expenditure and you need to cover it in a short time frame. So that's what your emergencies fund's there for. But the biggest one and the reason for a year really drives around job loss. The biggest risk that most people face is the potential to lose their job or potential to lose their income streams. That's why I My recommendation, of course, is to diversify your income streams, and that's one of the things you're doing with investing, especially if you invest in like dividend-paying stocks. They are diversifying your income stream to make it harder for you to not be able to pay your bills. It makes your life a little bit more resilient to invest in stocks. But a one-year emergency fund allows you the liquidity you need to hopefully ride out any normal job loss. So obviously you shouldn't be taking a year to find a new job, but because we're talking about emergencies, we really need to start thinking about more worst case scenarios. So if you lose a job in a normal economy, a non-recessionary, non-depressionary economy, then normally there's other jobs that you can available and apply for. And it's just a short turnover. You might be out of your job for a few weeks. You could be out of a job for a few months. You know, and this is where the mainstream alternative of a three-month recommendation comes from, is that it's relatively normal to get a new job within a three-month time frame. However, if you are in a recession when you lose your job, then you're not just an isolated job loss. There's millions of other people losing their jobs at the same time. If this occurs it means that you're likely to take a lot longer to find a new job. And so your risk all of a sudden becomes it becomes normal to get a new job in three months to it becomes normal to get a new job in three months to a year or to six months to a year. And if that's the case, a three-month emergency fund is going to be insufficient and likely a six-month emergency fund could be insufficient. (laughs) Now, as an investor and as a listener to this podcast, it's unlikely that the only money that you have will be the money in your emergency fund. However, the money we're talking about is usually going to be invested and it might be invested in stocks. And if you're investing in stocks, which is one of the places that I really believe that you have high return possibilities, often you have to deal with volatility in those investments. And it is possible that you might not have the liquidity you need to pay for an emergency or to pay for your bills if they're built up in stocks without having to sell the stocks. And so this is the big risk you need to protect against. You don't want your emergency fund to run out of money 
and force you to sell when your stocks are undervalued or if they're priced too low. And your emergency fund needs to be sized long enough to manage any sort of disruption in your income until you can get back on the foot again. Because what you do not want to do when you're investing is to sell your stocks when they're undervalued or be forced to sell your stocks for any reason other than you receiving a good price for them. This is why an emergency fund is so important, and it's why an emergency fund is more than just a personal finance technique. Your emergency fund is an investment technique. It provides you liquidity, and liquidity is all important for investors. If you lack liquidity, then you are in danger of selling when, without plans. When you, you should only sell your stocks when you want to sell your stocks. You should only sell your stocks at a high price or when you have better opportunities. Your buy and sell decisions need to be based upon the difference between the price of your stocks and the intrinsic value of your stocks. And if it's based upon anything else, you're going to make a mistake that is likely to reduce your long-term life benefits because If you sell at a price that is below the intrinsic value, or if you sell at a price not because you have a better opportunity, but because you're being forced to sell, you're having a detriment to your long-term net worth because of that. This is what I want your emergency fund to protect you from. And this is why you have to think about the worst cases in terms of these savings. So I mentioned you know, losing your job in a recession. And recessions happen once every three to 10 years. Now, it's been a long time since our last recession, but it also means that it becomes more and more likely that a recession's around the corner any time, any, any upcoming year now. And so if you have to find a job, if you're out of your job for six months to a year, you need to have an emergency fund capable of handling that. During the last recession, you had people that were outside of their jobs for over a year, sometimes up to two years, they were out of a job because of the depth of the recession, which is why you need to think about the idea of not just recessions, but potentially investing and planning for investing during a depression. Depressions take place on a time frame of you know once every hundred years or twice every hundred years, there's a decent chance that during your lifetime, your investments will have to go through a depression. And what you don't want to have to do is to sell them during a depression. People who were able to buy stocks during the United States Great Depression made themselves into millionaires because they had all-time great prices to buy at. When stocks decline by 90%, do you want to be someone who's buying stocks or do you want to be someone who's selling stocks? The answer is definitely buying. And the only way you have a chance of doing that is if you have an adequate emergency fund that can allow you to go through the hurdles of being without jobs during those potential time frames. During the Great Depression, people were out of jobs for multiple years. They had, un, they had a lack of income for multiple years. Now, what that means is, okay, you have a year emergency fund. You can make an emergency fund last longer than it's slated to on the surface because what you should be doing when you lose a job is you should immediately be cutting back on your expenses. So if you have an emergency fund sized for a year of your expenses, let's say you have... in annual expenses. 
Well, if you lose your job and you have $50,000 in annual expenses and a $50,000 in cash emergency fund, you should do everything you can to immediately cut your expenses and make that emergency fund last as long as possible. This is especially true if you're going through a recession or a depression where you're uns- where you can be should be highly uncertain in your ability to get a new job on a short time frame. So the recommendation of course is that you know if you have a $50,000 emergency fund and $50,000 of expenses if you lose your job in a recession you should do everything possible to immediately cut your expenses in half and have your emergency gut fund stay at $50,000 but if your only if your annual expenses drop from 50,000 to 25,000 you've now doubled the length at which your emergency fund can fund your lifestyle because your expenses are now only 25,000 you have 2 years of an emergency fund this increases the likelihood that you'll be able to continue making your investments during the time you're outside of a job But this is only possible if your emergency fund is already properly sized at a year based upon your normal expense level. You need that cushion and you need the ability to potentially prolong it by finding ways to cut expenses. You don't want to have to cut expenses because your emergency fund is so short. Otherwise, you're going to be having to spend stuff in just a few months. You want your emergency fund to be as large as possible. So... Where should you store your emergency fund? There are two key areas where I recommend storing your emergency fund. Either in an FDIC-insured savings account, of which I highly recommend Ally Bank because they offer a high-interest savings account and they allow you to open as many as you want, naming them for different purposes so you can open an individual savings account specifically named as your emergency fund where you can segregate those savings from all of your other savings. So you don't have to combine all of your savings for a car, for a house, down payment, um, your savings for new furniture or vacation, all in a single account. Instead, you can separate those into multiple accounts, and that allows you to have a dedicated, segregated savings account just for your emergency fund. And that's why I recommend Ally Bank. The alternative is to invest it with the U.S. government itself at treasurydirect.gov. And Treasury Direct is the way where you can buy United States savings bonds and savings bills uh, and treasury bills and treasury bonds and put your money there. What this is, is the key thing that you're trying to do with this emergency fund is the money needs to be absolutely safe. This is money that you are trying to count on in an emergency. This is not money you're trying to make a return on. This is money that you're trying to protect, money that you're trying to keep. And so you need to focus first and foremost on the safest locations where you can keep the money. And that is in locations where the government has ensured that your money is safe. So FDIC-insured savings accounts are insured by the federal government of the United States, and treasurydirect.gov is being lending to the government directly, which also is insured by the United States federal government and their full taxing power. Any other step of investing it in a money market account, investing it in bonds, investing it in CDs, any of those things are riskier and not recommended for storing your emergency fund. They might offer you a higher return, but they definitely offer higher risk. 
and your emergency fund is designed to help you handle risk in other parts of your life. It is not a place to take on additional risk. So those are the three key areas that I wanted to cover in this. You need to size your emergency fund for a full year of your current expenses. You need to have, the reasoning is because you need liquidity in order to be able to manage the volatility of your investments. Value investing requires managing of risk and accepting volatility. And if you lack the liquidity that you need, you might have to sell investments when your stocks are undervalued and priced too low. A strong emergency fund will protect you from this possibility. And finally, you should store your money for an emergency fund in some form of government-insured account. And that could be an FDIC-insured savings account, like those offered by Ally Bank, or treasuredirect.gov, where you can lend your money directly to the U.S. government on short time frames to make sure that it's available for you when you need it. So thank you for listening for today's podcast. The full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's podcast, are available at diyinvesting.org slash episode 24. And finally, reminder that this is a listener-supported podcast. If you've gained value from today's content, please consider supporting the show financially as a patron. You can become a patron at diyinvesting.org slash patron. Your financial support is what allows me to continue creating this free investment content without any advertisements. Also, if you can't support the show at this time, I would truly appreciate if you would leave me a rating or review in your podcast player. That will help me to grow the podcast and continue to be to provide greater value to more people. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.